Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Drill Down with Marty Stetzer. This podcast is part of our EKTI Oil and Gas Learning Network and brought to you jointly with Upstream Intelligence in the UK. Upstream Intelligence is the foremost provider of business intelligence and analysis for the upstream oil and gas community. With an estimated global value of $31 billion by 2020, the digital oil field is the oil and gas industry's hotbed of innovation. It now includes big data, analytics, and the Industrial Internet of Things, or IoT. Today, our topic is why is digital transformation so hard to sell? I'll be speaking with two industry veterans, Jim Crompton and Joe Perino. We're really happy to have their input on this new and important part of the upstream business. So let's start with Jim. Welcome. Thanks, Marty. Good to be here. Can you give our listeners your background related to upstream digital oil field, IoT, and analytics? Well, that question really uh, revolves around three um, you know, topics of very different timeframes. Um, it's kind of a scary thought, but I've been in the upstream oil and gas industry now in my fifth decade. I got a bachelor's and master's degree in geophysics from Colorado School of Mines, so started out in the subsurface and, uh, and essentially have been around uh, oil and gas upstream for most of that career. The digital oil field, I started uh, about the year 2000, 2001, when one of the original people that were interviewed as part of the, um, the work that Cambridge Energy Research Institute did, uh, you know, back when they got a lot of this stuff started. So that and I was involved with Chevron's um, iField or their version of the digital oil field program for, for probably about 15 years. IoT and analytics was a much newer topic, and uh, it's one that everyone really come across. Uh, since I've retired uh, from Chevron. But I've uh, been doing a lot of research into it. I've been writing papers, giving talks. And my latest um, and last thing, I guess, is a, I started a course at Colorado School of Mines in um, petroleum data analytics, which would be just offered for the first time this spring of this year. Jim, that was terrific. A lot of experience that you can bring to our listeners, and I'm sure they're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. But first, let's hear from Joe. Can you do a similar intro as Jim? Sure, Marty. Uh, I'm entering my uh, fourth decade or 40th year, like Jim, following Jim. Originally a chemical engineer that worked in downstream, midstream, and then in upstream. I worked for operating companies, service firms, including Schlumberger, IT firms, and various suppliers, uh, and as, also as an independent consultant and a management consultant. And it was back in uh, 2000 when I first connected with Chevron and then later on actually worked with Jim in 2006 and 7 as uh, a member of the uh, iField team. And of course, you know, I've been doing podcasts with you for the last few years now. And you've been very involved with, both of you have been very involved with the data-driven production conference that uh, UI sponsors, which has turned out to be a real way of exchanging experiences for both industry and service providers. We're really happy to have both of you as part of this effort. Jim, you've not only done a lot of thinking, but also a lot of writing and publishing on the topic of IoT implementation in upstream oil and gas. As I understand it, we're going to discuss today six of the major challenges to implementation that you've discovered in your experience and your research. So why don't you start off? Well, thanks. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of hype that tells you how good uh, digital transformation should be for the industry or, or just about any industry. So 
I was starting to think, you know, kind of from the other side. I mean, what is pushing back? Um, you, you know, the tech vendors, uh, service companies, a lot of others, consultants in the business sort of talk about, you know, how great everything is. But then they kind of have a caveat. They said, but oil and gas seems to be a laggard. And so, you know, with that comment, um, I, I thought a little bit deeper about why is that? I mean, there's got to be a good reason. There's a lot of smart people. It's a very significant industry. It's one that uses technology very, uh, it is a very core part of all of its operations. So, so what are the block, uh, uh, the stumbling blocks that, that may get in our way? And I, I put a, f a few of them down in a, in an article, and I think we're going to talk kind of around that uh, outline today. But the first one I want to talk about really is the fact of, um, uh, of price. I mean, a lot of these things, it, everyone talks about technology, but technology is not the issue why, that, that, uh, that why we're not moving forward fast enough. Uh, there always seems to be other sort of issues from organizational culture to skills to, uh, to kind of a mindset. But the first one I'd want to talk about is just price. Um, you know, oil and gas veterans know um, price goes up, price goes down like any commodity. There are good times and bad times. And there's a lot of debate about just when is the right time for a major change? When is the right time for a, uh, you know, an adoption of a, of a very significant uh, new technology kind of paradigm? So we've just come out of three really tough years and the industry's had to adapt and they, they made all the tough cuts that they had to to survive. And, and you know, it's kind of the, the, the idea is that, you know, it's, it's not a good time to try to introduce new technology when the price is down because nobody has any money and everybody's worried about their job. There's kind of survivor syndrome kind of going on through most of the company. So downturns are a bad time. Then you talk, well, then the upturns must be the right time where the budgets are flowing and everybody wants to do stuff. And that seems to be a tough time, too, because everybody's busy doing their traditional job. So, you know, the, the commodity price cycle that goes up and down with the industry makes it hard to um, do anything more than just kind of incremental changes to technology. And, you know, if we're talking about something like digital transformation and these things that everyone's saying, this is really fundamental. This is a time you really have to go back and rethink what you are doing. And the, so, but the problem today is, well, the prices are better now. They're, they're not in the 40s, 30s, and 40s like they were a few years ago. They're in the 60s and 70s as the time of our podcast. And people are, are looking up and we're trying to get into the space now where everybody is getting very busy doing their traditional things. So it's a little hard to get people's attention to say, oh my God, you really need to change and you really need to rethink what you're doing. And these technologies can have a fundamental impact on your business when they're saying, hey, wait a minute, I just had a record quarter. Why do I need to change? So price cycles have a lot to do with the psychology of the industry. Jim, that was terrific. I never really looked at it in the number of cycles that I've been through. Joe, where would you like to pick up after these observations that Jim made? Well, the second point I want to make in picking up on a point that Jim made is the issue around technology. Oil companies look at technology as a tool. And they're big consumers of technology, both IT technology and petrotechnical technology. But it's been a rare instance that technology has actually been the game changer or an impetus for them to change the way they work or change their business model. So let me give you an example. A couple of decades ago, we had 3D seismic, really help people find and locate oil. And now we've got 4D. But that didn't change the business model. More recently, say about 10 years ago, 
we talk about horizontal drilling and fracturing. Those aren't new. They go back 60, 70 years. It's the way they were applied in shale and in tight formations that caused the game changer for onshore in terms of moving from the traditional conventional field development to the factory model and field development. That did have a big impact. The second element that Jim also mentioned is, is that when the price cycle goes down and prices go down, the belt tightening occurs, and that means nobody's changing either. The third point is, is that IT is not as valued or is not as high in the organization in oil and gas companies as it is in others. You may have CIOs or VPs of IT, but they're rarely at the board level. And so they don't look at IT as a critical technology. They look at it as a service to keep things running. And the people that are now getting into IoT, big data, data scientists, and so forth, they're typically not higher up in the organization. There isn't a chief digital officer sitting on the board of Shell. That person sitting way down in the organization probably reporting to IT. Now, I have to say more recently, we have seen some people who now have digital transformation initiatives where they have a leader who reports directly perhaps to the senior vice president of production. We were visiting with one just two weeks ago, and that was the case. But that doesn't mean because they are aware of what they need to do that they can get the organizational model to change. And that's a key point. Joe, thanks. So, Jim, we've covered price and Joe covered technology. What's next on your list for some of the challenges that organizationals are facing? Well, I think what's new with the third point I want to bring in terms of all this is analytics. So price, technology, now analytics. In, in one way, analytics is clearly not new. I mean, the, the oil industry, like everybody else, ever since they had a piece of data, they've been studying it to try to figure out how to perform their operations better. So, you know, analytics in a, in a lot of different ways, again, is that, you know, when people will say, well, what's new about this? We This is something we've always done. You know, I, I kind of parochially say as a geophysicist, we were the first real data scientist in the oil and gas business when, uh, you know, seismic went from analog to digital back in the 1960s, 1970s. And we've been using big computers and um, uh, massive simulation job, massive visualization jobs kind of ever since. It just gets bigger and bigger. But there's something different about this advanced analytics that we're kind of seeing today. And it, it throws, I think, um, the experts in the industry, a little bit of a curveball. You know, most of what um, we do in the oil and gas business in upstream is, I'll call it science-based or physics-based or first principle-based, whatever. There's different sayings that go along the same thing. It's essentially because we've been at our current model for so long, studying sandstone reservoirs or carbonate reservoirs or whatever, we, we cut, we've studied them to the point where the academics have developed the, the physical principles by which we understand how, you know, um, fluid flows through porous media, for example, if we want to talk about, uh, you know, one of the most famous uh, equations that drives reservoir simulation. So, you know, the, our experts today are really experts in the physics of, of their discipline, the physics of energy transfer and drilling, the physics of fluid flow and, and reservoir, et cetera, et cetera. But now what we're doing, we opened up a Pandora's box here that really says that Maybe your expert isn't always right. Maybe an algorithm can out, can beat your expert. Uh, and you hear this in the medicine where they're saying where the, the, this computer algorithm could do a better job of looking at a, a, a chest x-ray or uh, 
or, you know, looking for cancer or looking for, you know, other sorts of things because of the image analysis uh, you know, capabilities of the algorithm. So now we've got this direct challenge almost to the, to the ego of the, the technical experts in the industry that says, you know, that it's, it's now an experts versus algorithms. It's a, it's a physics versus statistics, you know, kind of a base discussion. And, and that's really, it's divided a lot of the debate going on in the industry where someone says, well, I need to know, I need to understand the physical behavior before I want to run my simulation. And the other said, oh, no, no, you don't need to worry about that. We will fit a model, a statistical model, or now this new thing called artificial intelligence some, with some other new sort of techniques. We will fit a model to the data without even understanding why it's a good model. It's just there's a bunch of statistical um, coefficients that said, this is a good fit, and let's go with that. And, you know, that is presenting a kind of a, a, a psychological challenge to the experts in the industry, not so much the executives or not so much the operators, but, you know, the, the, the experts that you hire to do your, your tough technology, they're saying, you know, wait a minute, um, where's the physics? And the statisticians, the data scientists, the cool new job says, I don't, need to, I don't need to know that. I'm just going ahead with the model. So the analytics part of this stuff, I think, is, is, a, is a, a real challenge because really the answer is a little bit of both. I mean, we need the physics understanding to know what to do. We this, we're gathering all of this data in, in reservoirs that we haven't studied like we have with the, the conventional reservoirs. This new shale reservoir is one that doesn't work by that, uh, that old physical behavior that we've trusted for so long. So now we're, we, we, want a, we want a physics and statistics approach, but we've kind of got the, 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 the playing field divided into two different camps. Interesting concept coming out of the downstream like Joe. We've, we've always had the models in the refinery side, the linear programming models. Joe would like to add something as well. Yeah, I'd like to add a comment. One of the things that came up when I was uh, working with Chevron and actually prior to that with Shell with iField is that Traditional geoscientists and reservoir engineers may have had basic statistics in school like I did as an engineer, but we didn't get into the more advanced statistics like Bayesian, let alone learning machine, machine learning techniques and these kinds of things. And so we had identified a need for geoscientists to be more versed in this area. So when Jim makes the point that we have people that are the math whizzes that come from the outside who don't know the physics, and the physics people who have not applied that math or that statistical in their background as much as possibly could be, you have a gap. And that's one of the challenges there. Jim, what's, what's next on your list? This is a great discussion. Keep going. Data is the next thing on my list. Um, the fuel that drives the engine of uh, the technology and the rest of that stuff. As, I mean, Joe pointed out earlier that IT usually is seen as a service background back office, maybe report to the CFO, doesn't make the board, you know, all those sorts of things. So uh, it's, it's even worse with around uh, the data management uh, discipline within these oil and gas companies, because they're usually buried underneath the IT department. And the IT department is more interested in their technology, the data centers, the networks, the, you know, the servers, et cetera, and not so much about information. So most, of, most IT is small I, big T. And, and the data folks are, you know, kind of sitting or underneath there, and which kind of really begs the question, is data an enterprise asset or is it a personal asset? Now, in, in oil and gas, usually they'll come up and say, well, it depends, right? If, 
If you're talking about money, well, that belongs to the CFO. It's an enterprise asset. If you're talking about contracts or permits or whatever, well, now that's an enterprise asset. It belongs to the head of the land department or it belongs to the head of the legal department or something like that. But if you get down to the data that we're trying to use here in the digital oil field to drill a better well or to produce more oil out of a reservoir, we're talking about production data or drilling data, uh, operational data, equipment health data, uh, SCADA, process control system sort of data. And as, you know, again, Joe said, there's no CDO in most oil and gas industries. Some, some people are talking about it, but there really isn't that mature of an organization around that. So this, this stuff either becomes functional or asset specific, or even in a lot of cases, personal. Microsoft has given us the technology for us to manage a lot of data personally, spreadsheets or folders or whatever. So, you know, we really have a battle now to try to get the data out of what sometimes is called the shadow IT organization or the personal data silos into the place where, you know, a whole organization can kind of work with it. So our, 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 next, our next challenge here is to see data as an enterprise asset. That was terrific. Joe, how about yourself? What's next on your list that you'd like to talk about with our listeners? Well, what's next on my list has to do with the existing OT and IT infrastructure. As you know, I work for an IoT firm now, and we specialize in actually uh, a novel way of getting data from the field that doesn't go through the traditional uh, operating technology infrastructure. And by that, I mean, because oil companies work in remote areas that previously didn't have connectivity, they had to build their own networks. They have their radios, they have towers, they have cell, they have their own Wi-Fi, they run all that stuff. Now you come in with IoT and the cloud and all these things and you say, you don't really need that. You can go around that and still get all the data you need. Well, there's a big barrier there because there's no inherent trust of the internet. There's a lack of understanding of how secure this really is. A lot of people don't know what the cloud is, which is simply a building filled with servers. It could, if you put your company's name on, it wouldn't be any different than your own data center. All these kinds of things get in the way. and so. There's a reluctance to change the way they're operating. And management, because they're dependent on these people, and there's no long line of young people trying to become pumpers or lease operators in the field, they are hesitant to push because they don't want to lose the current capability. So there's a challenge of how you get on to the new architecture and the new way of doing things while still keeping the same system running. And we all know that sunk cost is one thing, but it's the future cost that counts, and it's hard to let go of that. And that's a barrier. Great way to put it, Joe. Jim, how about yourself? Anything else that you would like to add? One more item, maybe. I'm going to close with a, an item that uh, I think is, is really important and doesn't have a lot of conversation yet, and that has to do with skill sets. I, I've had a new view of all of this stuff, having to now being a adjunct teaching faculty member at the Colorado School of Mines. But, uh, you know, the idea that, that IT was, um, was, a, was, was not a very well-respected skill set. And I remember a story about a, uh, a young woman engineer, very bright, very accomplished, who wanted to further her career. And she went to her career uh, supervisor, a petroleum engineer, and said, I want to get a master's degree in statistics. And this guy said, why? You're crazy. I mean, it wouldn't do you any good. You know, he, his whole career, he'd never touched uh, programming. He'd never touched, uh, gone into these statistical techniques. You know, there, there was a core set of, of skills that 
a reservoir manager needed to do, drilling, completions, reservoir production, and, and not stati statistics wasn't on that list. And uh, so now you get to this idea of a digital engineer. And uh, the new the skill sets have really become quite blended. And you know, if you go to a, my generation of, of petroleum engineer, they would say, there's no way in the world that I'd ever want to become a programmer. Get that stuff out of here. You know, go 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 give that to the IT department and and you know, they'll when they finish the program, they'll give it to me. But now you're you've got um, I think a new generation of engineers who are gonna really help this change a lot. But you know, I in teaching my class, I had a young drilling engineer who was very disappointed in my the first set of my class because I didn't teach Python programming language. Well, I mean, you go to uh, you know the other generation, and they that they thought Python was a snake, not a programming language. But now there's a whole new set of skills from these advanced um, statistical tools Joe was talking about. You know, if you go up to uh, a 35 year veteran of the industry and talk about uh, building a model with a random for a random forest artificial neural network technique, and he'll go, you know, what language are you speaking? But that is indeed how we model comp compressor behaviors, and that's how we model, you know, uh, critical equipment behaviors in the field right now in the OT world that Joe was talking about. So skill sets need to be looked at, and all of a sudden, you know, there's an awful lot of these analytical skill sets that need to be to be joined with the traditional uh, petroleum disciplines, and that's the workforce of the future. Thanks again to you both. We've covered a lot of ground. Not only price, but price volatility as a major challenge. Technology, and then Joe brought in some of the organizational issues. Jim, you amplified the term analytics to cover both the physics side and the modeling side, and I've seen some of those same kind of comments when I've been attending the, some uh, work with the directional drilling folks. Data, data, data. Not only data, but correct data. And then Joe covered OT and IT and the relationship there, including the security issue. And then finally, you brought up skill sets. This has just been a terrific compendium of the challenges. Jim, before we wrap up, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Well, I think the real potential for digital transformation is to change the business model, to change the way we work, to change you know, how essentially we deliver energy to the, to the community that uh, depends on it. And I think we are a victim of our own success. Essentially, the industry has been going on for 150 years doing things relatively the same way. And there's you know, a build up a lot of reluctance to just risk that or to change that without you know, strong thought. And um, you know, I think that what, what it may take for the oil and gas industry to really become uh, you know, fast followers in this field, everybody likes to say they're fast followers, but it's, it's really just a race for second place and soon second place becomes average. And all of a sudden, the industry slows in its adoption of some of these this thinking. We need new executives with we're thinking about that, and for the unconventional, this manufacturing mindset may do it. Uh, some of the executives are saying that it may be a low price forever, and therefore we need to always work on uh, on more efficiency and and operational excellence in, in our business. And we've got a new workforce coming in as the big crew change has happened that really wants to get into the data. They really worry about the data. They have the skill sets to manipulate it. They have the skill sets to build models, both physics and statistics-based tools. Um, so I think you know the, the, the future looks bright, but the future looks cloudy, kind of all at the same time. Um, yes, the, the capabilities are incredible, but there's an awful lot of organizational culture 
that needs to take a long look in the mirror and said, are we ready for this? Thanks, Jim. Joe, anything that you would like to add based on what we've been talking about so far today? Yes, I'd like to reinforce the point that Jim was making. Although all of this technology is not fully mature yet, what we've really been talking about is people and organization and business model. And if those aren't topics that aren't the focus of the most senior management in the company, we wonder why things don't change. And that's where that needs to be led. Thanks again to you both. These insights will surely be valuable to the EKTI and Upstream Intelligence listeners. We'd like to thank everyone for listening. If you're an analytics person and you're new to the oil and gas industry, be sure to check out our Oil 101 series available on how the industry works at www.ektinteractive.com. Thanks again for listening, and thanks again to Joe and Jim for this wonderful conversation.